Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Exchange podcast. This is Kristen Van Uden, editor of Catholic Exchange. And today I'm very honored to be joined by Bob Schutz, an author with Ave Maria Press, and a new edition of a commemorative edition of his first book, Be Healed, was just released, and we are here to discuss that today. So, Bob, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Kristen. Uh, looking forward to it. Wonderful. So tell us a little bit about how this first book came into being. I know this is such a classic by this point because this is the commemorative edition, and you have since written quite a lot of other books. So how did you first think, I need to write this stuff down? Yeah, I, I actually talk about it in the uh, preface to the book, and uh, it was a long journey, actually. Uh, I was um, writing a textbook back out of graduate school uh, thirty some 35 some years ago, and a woman walked in and said, uh, are you writing a book? And I said, yeah, how did you know? She said, I didn't, but I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you're writing that for yourself and not for me, and I've called you to write for me, which was a shock. It was like, oh, no. So it was actually 35 years later that I wrote Be Healed, and uh, I really had a lot of trepidation of trying to write again after the first time. Yeah. But about every five years, God would send me encouragement and different people who would have a message and saying, he's calling you to write. And uh, when it finally came time, we were doing conferences, uh, the Healing the Whole Person conferences, and I really felt like it was time to write. And I had confirmation uh, from my spiritual director, from people around me, and and really directly in prayer. And uh, and then Ave Maria reached out. Christy McDonald at Ave Maria reached out and just asked me if I'd be willing to write uh, a book. And so that's how it all developed. But it was a long journey to get there. Right. So clearly, by the time you get to the point where you are expert enough to write a book, you have had a long career in this field. So you you joke in chapter one that uh, you tell people you began your career as a counselor and family ther therapist when you were a teenager, right? <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about your background and when you first felt the call to this particular vocation? Yeah, so I, I was. Uh, I grew up in a Catholic family, and and we were active Catholic schools, uh, uh, regular worship. Uh, the faith was sincere. It seemed as though it was sincere. And uh, in the middle of that, my parents' marriage fell apart, and mm -hmm. my dad's alcoholism and, and his unfaithfulness really destroyed the fabric of our family. And I was the second oldest of seven children. And soon after that. Uh, my dad left. My brother Dave became uh, a drug drug addicted to heroin, mm -hmm. and uh, it just my world was falling apart. And uh, you know, I joke about you know at that moment without really choosing it, I became a family therapist in my own family. Uh, but it was a few years later. I was in a class in a Catholic uh, school. It was the psychology of religion. We began to read these Catholic authors about marriage and family, and I, I just had this spark of yeah, this is what I'm really interested. In. It took me a while, uh, from college to graduate school, to really find that this was uh, the profession that I wanted. But mm -hmm. uh, it was already formed in me before I even chose it. 
Right. That's beautiful. So I'm wondering if you have any insight into the differences between a Catholic approach to healing and to mental health, just maintenance in general, and what the secular world offers us. I recently completed an interview with um, Kimberly Perez of Divine Mercy Healing down in Florida, and she had some great insights onto this as well as how the the secular industry kind of gives you this this affirmation of sin, this affirmation of just stay where you are. And obviously the Catholic approach to mental health is predominantly spiritual and takes into account the entire person, the soul, the fallen state of humanity, and the role of prayer and healing in the sac- in the sacraments and all of that. And so did you experience this dissonance at all in the industry? And how would you define the differing approach? Yeah, a good question, and and your insights are are also really good. Um, I went to a secular college in graduate school, uh, and so I had a couple of Catholic friends, and we were constantly sorting out what are we learning that's just good basic uh, education and counseling, and what where are the distortions, and where is our Catholic faith inform us? But it really wasn't until my own personal deeper conversion experience in my late 20s that I realized the power of the Holy Spirit to bring transformation and that counseling could never bring the level of transformation that an encounter with Jesus could bring. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that really awakened me to the power of the sacraments, to the teaching of the church in a deeper way. And that then affected the way that I saw counseling with people, that I saw it, as, as you described, as not just a psychological or dealing with the soul, but is also dealing with each person's whole person and and their spiritual life. And that so much of what is taught and practiced in the counseling field is anti uh, anti-Catholic in a certain sense. It's an, it's against the things that we teach. And you know, I finally had to break with the professional association because they were lobbying lobbying for everything that was against what the church teaches and practices and what I'd come to believe to be true and and helpful. And so a a Catholic approach, I think, is primarily uh, centered in Christ, whether that's consciously focused on or not. There's a a sense of, uh, as John Paul II would often quote the Second Vatican Council, Jesus reveals us to ourselves, and he also reveals the Father to us. And so we can't heal unless we have an encounter with the Father and know who we are for the Father. And we can't heal unless we come to know who we are in that way. And and that healing of our identity in Christ is, is what every person needs, no matter what their background is. Right. And one of the chapters I think really speaks to this in the book that really stuck out to me was um, this chapter dealing with a tree and its fruits. And so you accompany this with some really helpful diagrams, I think, where you show that often at the root of all of our pain is sin, because we know, of course, that the the wages of sin are death. And this is why we are unhappy is because of the introduction of sin into the world. And so you, you make clear, I'm looking at the one for the deadly sin of anger, for example, right now, that mm-hmm. the root of that sin is, as you define it, ungodly self-reliance. So this overemphasis on self-love rather than love of God and submitting to the will of God. Um, And anger arises from that. And then up in the branches and the leaves would be 
the hidden anger that simmers under the surface and then the expressed anger that is the symptoms that will often manifest. And this was really interesting, especially I've been uh, reading a book over the last couple months about the particular examine where you mm. examine your conscience based on the seven deadly sins, because often they will manifest as these personality traits where you say, oh, he just has a temper or he's just irritable. Yeah. But really, it is empowering to realize that these are, in fact, sins at the root. So could you speak a little bit to that concept and how you came to conceptualize this chapter? Yeah, you described that very well. Um, how I came to conceptualize that chapter is probably a long process of my own spiritual growth, but also of counseling other people and integrating it with the teachings of the church. But uh, I think at a, at a more practical level, uh, I just began to notice in my own heart and in my relationships, the ways that we manifested these different sins. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, my anger was never outward. It was more inward. But for other people in my world, their anger was outward. And I would stand in judgment mm -hmm. of the way that they would express or ex experience their anger and realize, uh, uh, you know, it says, who are you to judge, oh man, you do the very same thing. But as I then examined my own heart and said, well, my, the judgment itself is also rooted in the same tree of anger, the same deadly sin of anger. And all of that and every sin is rooted in pride and that ungodly self-reliance. And that's really the difference between a secular approach to therapy and a Christian Catholic approach to therapy is a secular approach almost reinforces this sense of ungodly self-reliance. You know, it's a, it's a humanism that puts the person at the center of reality. And whenever we do that, then we begin to defend and justify, as you said, our sins as being okay and just part of our personality and we need to accept and just deal with it. Right. And you also extend that concept to what you call the seven deadly wounds and their associated beliefs. So could you speak a little bit about those? Yeah, I, I coined that phrase to parallel the seven deadly sins, but I actually found a list of eight different kinds of wounds uh, in a work by the by Dr. Ed Smith, uh, who developed Transformation Prayer Ministry. And as I was reading his list, I said, boy, this is what I'm running against all the time in myself and my world, but also in all the people that I'm counseling. And the seven deadly wounds are ways in which uh, we experience brokenness in our life, uh, way in which we've been wounded, you know, the word trauma that we use a lot now in our culture is the same word for woundedness. Uh, and so there's seven different ways in which trauma manifests in our life, you know, from abandonment to fear, to rejection, to powerlessness, to hopelessness, shame, confusion. Those are all the ways in which it manifests in our life. And so it's just a way to begin to look at those uh, and see the relationship between those seven deadly wounds and the seven deadly sins. And in counseling, too often times we just focus on the wounds yeah. without realizing that the wounds are what feed our sin. Right. That 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 our sins are are really attempts to gain control over our areas of woundedness. Right. To medicate them, to to have control over them, and so to be able to see those together. I think was a was an insight of the Holy Spirit that allowed not only me but the people that I was working with to begin to see in their life. And now, as we do conferences, 
you know, whole groups of people really find that helpful to be able to see that connection. Right. And so just as these, these sins are, have this interplay with woundedness, so too will the practice of virtue and the practice of the faith be an integral part of healing these wounds there. You don't just treat the symptom and that's something you really emphasize in the second half of the book. So let's talk a little bit about the process of healing and the role of the sacraments and prayer in that process. Yeah, again, big questions, but but good questions. Um, you know, we talk about it, I talk about in the book about, uh, and this came to me at a, a eight-day silent retreat, mm -hmm. but that our healing pro progresses from experiencing security, uh, which is God's love. You know, it's it's the only real security is having our identity and security in His love, and then out of that security is where our wounds are healed. Uh, you know, because our wounds are the experience of the absence of love or the distortions of love, and then from there we grow in virtue, which is maturity. Mm -hmm. And when that virtue becomes flowered, it's it's the virtue is the opposite of the deadly sins. The security is the opposite of the wounds. As that grows in our life, that virtue grows in our life, we really end up uh, growing in purity, which is our love becomes pure. And it's really the work of the sacraments in prayer and redemptive suffering is to transform us in that way. And so all of us are called in our life to grow from security to maturity and purity, and the sacraments are the grace that God gives in the different areas of our life to help deal with our sin, but also heal our wounds to be able to do that. And and we can experience that directly in prayer uh, as we encounter God in those areas. Mm -hmm. And I wonder throughout just your career, if, you, if you've come to a deeper understanding of that redemptive suffering, because often, and this is the natural human inclination is to just reject suffering, but that's one of the paradoxes of our faith is that we're taught, no, this suffering can be efficacious and we imitate Christ in acceptance and surrender to the will of God of that suffering. So did you, yeah, did you ever have any moments of breakthrough about how to reconceptualize suffering in that way? And also where you draw the line with with knowing your limits and knowing yeah. when to offer it up and when when not, when that's too much. Yeah, there's actually been lots of experiences in my life, but uh, I write in Be Healed about my brother Dave and his dying process. And later in Real Suffering, the book Real Suffering, I read about my, my father and my wife's dying process. And uh, one of the things that in Real Suffering that I talked about was a quote from Father Jacques Philippe, and he says, it's not suffering that harms us, it's the fear of suffering that harms us. He says, suffering, if we'll yield to it in Christ, we'll unite it with Christ, will actually transform us. That's redemptive suffering. But the fear of suffering, when we resist the suffering in our life, and we all have it, it's some big, some little, but we have, we have it from the time we've been little till now. Uh, when we resist it, we tend to harden our hearts and then we are now closed off to love, giving and receiving love. And so redemptive suffering is a way of have, allowing our hearts to be transformed in love. Uh, and, you know, every suffering can be offered, uh, but it's not the opposite of healing. It is it, it's what brings healing. When we, when we open our suffering 
as a as a way of joining it with Jesus and inviting him there, that's where healing occurs. And when we offer it out of love for other people, then rather than continue the perpetuation of, let's say, resentment towards one another, mm-hmm. we begin to forgive and we begin to heal. You know, forgiveness is a form of redemptive suffering. Mm-hmm. Because every time we're hurt, rather than retaliate in the hurt or hold on to anger in the hurt or you know, any other kind of sin in the hurt, uh, we're choosing love in the face of that hurt. And then that restores, and rather than wounding one another, we now begin to heal each other. Right. It's a beautiful way of framing forgiveness, for sure. <clears throat> so, yeah, throughout the book, it's peppered with these examples from from your own life, so that wonderful testimony of your brother. And I wonder if you had any particular saints who you would recommend people to have a devotion to who might be dealing with with healing of some sort. There's so many examples from scripture, from the lives of the saints, of those who are have walked this path before, as you said, everyone has some sort of pain that they're healing from. So have any been particular inspirations to you throughout this? Yeah, so many. Uh, I have recently been encouraged uh, to choose, to narrow it down and choose what they called a posse of saints. <laughs> Uh, and so every, I, you know, I, I ask for the intercession of angels and saints every morning, probably 30 or 40 of them, but I, but I've kind of on the run, I have about six, uh, that I just ask for their intercession all the time. Uh, you know, St. Michael, the Archangel, St. Gabriel, St. Raphael, in addition to these six, uh, these six are the blessed mother, St. Joseph, the Holy family's really always been important. Yeah. Uh, in my life, uh, and Saint John, Saint Mary Magdala, mm-hmm. uh, John Paul II, who's the uh, the inspiration for our ministry, John Paul II Healing Center. Um, Mother Teresa uh, has been big influence uh, in my life, and uh, there's lots more. Uh, mm-hmm. I was given a relic of St. Maria Goretti years ago. Wow. And that really uh, helped in the ministry to people with sexual brokenness, particularly people who had been sexually abused. And And I've seen tremendous healing take place uh, through that intercession. So, yeah, th- there's lots more, but those are the ones that uh, <laughs> uh, are closest to my heart. Right. Right. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I got the opportunity to see St. Maria Gretti's entire body. Her relics were traveling. Um, wow. And yeah, it's a, a priest whose ministry. He also has about 150 first class relics of other saints. So <laughs> travels wow. around the country. You can make little pilgrimages to his stop. So that was really an incredible moment. That's beautiful. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what is next for you, Bob? I know you've written quite a lot by this point. Um and your ministry continues. So do you have any upcoming projects or what should we keep an eye out for next? Yeah, just another book that just came out was uh, Do You Want to Be Healed, which is a companion uh, with that and Be Restored right before that. But uh, my daughter Carrie and I are beginning to work on a series of books for each of the deadly wounds and as Bible studies and uh, just to look at them in scripture. You know, they each of the wounds begins at the fall of mankind, and we see them all the way through scriptures. And so to have a Bible study where people can explore that and and, uh, enter into healing of each of the deadly wounds. Uh, Also working with my brother Bart, who does ministry with us on a book on 
the Holy Spirit and confirmation and a uh, companion guide for confirmation. Mm -hmm. uh, those are just a couple of the projects that are uh, kind of on the surface right now. Right. Staying busy. <laughs> yeah. It's, once it once the tap was opened, it was hard to close it. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, it, yep, just whatever. The, ins the inspiration just keeps coming and you just know that people are being uh, served by that and so mm -hmm. you have uh, to say yes <laughs> yep you have to say yes well thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your book bob and about your ministry and your life um remind the listeners where they can purchase this particular title yeah it, our website is john paul ii healing center uh and you can order it through there or through any of the you know ave maria press or amazon or any of the places that books are distributed but you can help our ministry uh by ordering it through us, uh, John Paul II Healing Center.org. All right. Thank you. Well, thank you, Bob Schutz, again for joining us. And thanks to all our listeners. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you, Kristen. God bless.